We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of Sirius XM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Nearshoring to Mexico has increased due to its proximity to the U.S. market, strategic location, geopolitical tensions, and an effective supply chain that has a competitive workforce, robust free trade network, and the opportunity to serve as a Latin American hub. That's prompted companies from various industries, including automotive, to consider relocating their supply chains to Mexico or expanding their presence there, attracting a ton of investment from countries like the United States, Canada, Germany, Spain, China, and Korea. Legal considerations, including supply chain structures and labor obligations, are crucial for these companies, recognizing that there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Key factors when deciding on the ideal structure include the business model, other supply chain partners, operations and goods involved, labor obligations, and regulatory requirements. Today on Automotive Insiders, we walk through all of these issues, focusing on labor as well as strategy. Juan Carlos Jimenez Labora and Alfredo Kupfer are key members of Sanchez Devani's team of experts. Just ahead of their appearance at the June 2nd MIMA event in Detroit, Juan Carlos and Alfredo discuss the intricacies related to relocating in Mexico, including the best structure for the supply chain. This MIMA first-time event was called Doing Business in Mexico. Today, they share their view on Automotive Insiders. Well, welcome to the program to the two of you. Alfredo, it's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome into Automotive Insiders. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. Juan Carlos, a pleasure to have you on the program as well. Welcome. Thank you, Jason. It's our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Let's start with a bit of a general question around Mexico and the issues that individuals should be considering, companies should be considering as they relocate to Mexico and thinking about how to determine or when to determine the best supply chain structure. I'll, I'll start that question for both of you from two different perspectives, but Alfredo, why don't we begin with you? Well, uh, Jason, we have uh, many uh, things to comply with whenever someone wants to start business in Mexico. And uh, I would like to address uh, the those labor-related matters because it has became become a very important issue in Mexico since uh, we renegotiated the free trade agreement with the United States and Canada. One of the most important items that was uh, included in the in the treaty was uh, compliance with labor matters, and of course. Mexico has been much more pressured uh, by its commercial partners for complying with this. Uh, uh, moreover, there is a special uh, arbitration process established specifically for labor collective matters that has uh, uh, proven to be very effective in Mexico, and uh, uh, companies can be uh, severely sanctioned uh, even with the suspension of exportation of uh, services and goods. And all of this derived from labor compliance. So one of the things that we would definitely recommend to, to, to put an eye on is uh, uh, compliance with uh, labor and social security matters. Same question to you, Juan Carlos. From your perspective, what questions should someone consider before relocating to Mexico? I think the the first aspect to consider is that there's no one size fits all for establishing a structure for operating in Mexico. 
And it is key to have these questions and a, and a clear understanding of the business model and the objectives that you're pursuing when relocating to Mexico. Um, we know that a, a lot of uh, the projects are, are triggered or these relocation projects are triggered due to the fact that some of the customers are moving to Mexico. So you want to follow your customers, you want to be close to them. But uh, besides that, that is, of course, an underlying factor that which is really important to, to consider. You must talk also ask yourself, which is the best structure that you can implement within within your project. So you want to learn where, where your supply base is uh, located, which are the specific processes that you plan to conduct in Mexico. If you are planning to have a 100% export bound uh, production out of the output that you have in your manufacturing facilities in Mexico, or more uh, targeting also the Mexican uh, local market, uh, if you are focusing only on North America or more as a regional hub, taking advantage of the uh, free trade agreement network that Mexico has in place, because we, we often look at the USMCA, which of course is our most uh, important treaty, but uh, we should bear in mind that Mexico has free trade agreements with more than 50 countries. So this is really important from a, supp a supply base uh, perspective and it can, um, be really cost effective for projects in Mexico, just to, to give you some uh, data in that regard. Uh, approximately 90% of Mexico's exports are destined for the US, but only just over 50% uh, originate from this country, speaking about raw materials. So that indicates that the supply base as a manufacturing center is more uh, diversified in Mexico than it used to be, just for focusing on, on North America. And this network of the free trade agreements uh, contributes to, to this uh, phenomenon and, and makes Mexico a highly attractive invested destination. Juan Carlos, I want to stay with you for a moment. Can you provide examples of different structures that could be implemented for, say, the same project and how to assess which one is the most convenient? Yes, of course. Uh, as I was mentioning first, you, you need to determine if you are planning mainly to, to two alternatives. If you are going for a manufacturing facility or just for a distribution more for the for the local market. And within each of those categories, you can find different alternatives as to the structures and, and the benefits that are available besides the, the USMCA, more uh, related to programs and administrative facilities offered by the Mexican government. So, uh, for example, there are uh, different programs that allow you to have a temporary importation of goods, considering that they will only be used for for the manufacturing process to incorporate into goods that will be ultimately exported. So you can have advantages there in terms of duties in, in taxes, uh, either to defer them or to, or to exempt them. Also a, a reduced uh, burden from a non-tariff restrictions uh, perspective. But within that, you can find different alternatives as to how you structure it, because you, you could have either the foreign entity uh, owning all the machinery and equipment and the raw materials and just commissioning the operations for the transformation of those goods in Mexico. Or you could have, which is normally what we identify more as a pure maquila operation or a tool manufacturing operation, or you could have a full fledged where you have the Mexican uh, entity 
uh, taking care of uh, sourcing uh, and having all the relationship directly with all the supply base manufacturing in Mexico and then selling those those goods either to the US or to other markets or, or a combination of, of both of them. And there are different implications from uh, operational and uh, customs and tax perspective in, in that regard. So it, it's important that you recognize which are those differences, which is the structure that makes more sense from uh, your perspective and how do you want to implement it. Alfredo, turning to you, considering the labor obligations in Mexico that you described, what are the key recommendations for companies considering a relocation to Mexico or even restructuring their existing footprint? Yeah, <clears throat> Jason, th there, there are several things uh, uh, around labor matters, which is uh, a highly regulated subject in, in Mexico. Uh, so uh, uh, several of the recommendations would be to have a, a, a good, uh, uh, solid uh, partner for payroll services. This is one of the key aspects because that uh, uh, those payroll obligations will also uh, have an impact on taxes and social security contributions. And those are perhaps the most important areas of, of uh, uh, supervision and inspection by, by Mexican authorities, uh, uh, the Social Security Institute and the Mexican IRS. Uh, another recommendation would be to look at the region in which a company will be establishing or restructuring because Mexico has been evolving in terms of union activity. So it's not the same, for example, in certain cities near the border with the United States in which union activity has uh, substantially increased than in the south or southeast in which there is almost uh, non-activity non from unions. So uh, uh, that type of uh, um, uh, planning is important because Mexico is right now very strict with respect to uh, the, the freedom of association principle and respecting the right of workers to choose a union. And that has a lot to do with, uh, with location and of course with the, with the specific activity. One, one additional recommendation would be uh, uh, to, to be uh, uh, very aware of uh, uh, the, the recruiting process in Mexico. Now, now becomes even more important uh, knowing precisely who to, who to hire and, and what positions to fill in. Uh, uh, Mexico is uh, uh, undergoing into this uh, near-shoring phenomenon. So the fight for good candidates and for good talent, it's going to be fierce. So uh, having a good, uh, uh, solid recruitment process, it's, it's also key to, uh, uh, to, to, to have a, a good setup or continuity of operations. Some might also not know the rapid response labor mechanism that's under the USMCA. It provides a dispute resolution process. Can you explain that just a little more if, if resolution attempts fail or if an arbitration panel is formed, Alfredo? Yes, of course. Uh, uh, there is a, a chapter in, in the USMCA specifically for solving disputes uh, by and among the countries. But there is an annex that was uh, agreed uh, uh, among the three countries specifically to address uh, labor disputes. And this is precisely the rapid response labor mechanism, which is a, a, a very concentrated, very uh, fast procedure in which there can only be two things that can be uh, uh, addressed. 
One is the principle of freedom of association, and the other one is collective uh, bargaining. These two uh, principles have uh, not been very well complied uh, with in Mexico. And that is why uh, the United States and Canada have put uh, an special interest on this. So uh, this has proven to be a very effective uh, way of solving uh, union disputes in, in Mexico. And this also has created some uh, big headaches to, to, to companies. So. Uh, uh, it's very important to be aware of this mechanism. We, Mexico just received the eighth uh, claim under, under this arbitration process, and all of the companies have been automotive companies. All of the companies, but two, have been a, a U.S. companies with operations in Mexico. So I, I cannot stress more the, the importance of, uh, of, of being aware of, of collective labor matters because Unions in Mexico know that they have this alternative. They they have been using it very effectively, and we are sure that this will continue to be the case. Juan Carlos, final question for you. What are some examples of negative outcomes that can arise from maybe setting up an inappropriate strategy or a structure that's not right for the market? Yes, as I was mentioning, there, there are a lot of benefits under different structures. But some of these benefits come with certain obligations as well. No? So uh, sometimes you may be restricted of, uh, in terms of what you can do under set structures. And I will give you just an example. If you are operating under a pure maquila structure, which grants you a, a lot of benefits, both, both from the tax and the customs uh, standpoint, then you may be limited in terms of having a sales conductor in Mexico for the finished goods that you manufacture because they are expected to be exported in a hundred percent of the output should be exported if you under, are under that specific structure. Oftentimes, um, companies that are relocate to Mexico or, the, or that expand their operations and that are operating under that specific structure take a look at the benefits that they may obtain, but they make two common mistakes. The first one is that they don't address the uh, relevance of complying with all the obligations that, that come hand in hand with these benefits, uh, mainly related to taking control uh, and managing the, the inventory of these goods that will be imported on a temporary basis and that therefore need to be exported uh, Ultimately, so there's a, a, a robust compliance in terms of uh, inventory control and needs to be automated and there are constant reports that need to be filed to the customs authorities. And on the second front, uh, they don't take into account how they their complete supply uh, chain is structured, both from the perspective or of their suppliers and uh, their customers. And, and sometimes they receive demands from the customers to have those goods delivered in Mexico and, and to be sold by the Mexican entity. And if they are operating under that structure, they may be limited to do so. So they need to export goods again to the US and reimport them to, to Mexico and have other types of uh, operations uh, set up that are not the most efficient ones. And if they had previously uh, identified a, a different structure, there would be some uh, open alternatives that they would be able to to explore so that leads to lack of clarity in the uh, in importing goods uh, in the inability to apply trade agreements higher import costs um, or delays also in, in customs processes with 
start to to add up and, and leads to uh, operational disruptions or additional costs. Juan Carlos Alfredo, thank you so much for being on the program and providing all this insight into the nearshoring and Mexico operations that everybody needs to think about going forward. Appreciate you having you on the program. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guests today, Juan Carlos Jimenez Labora and Alfredo Kupfer of Sanchez Devani's team. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. 